Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman, a mid-free agency special kind of react edition. Kevin, we have a couple of deals done for the Suns. It is 8.03 Arizona time, Monday night. The deadline for rookie extensions or rookie extensions are, I think, allowed to start or at some point in, in about an hour. So we could very well have Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton news by the end of the night. We could have the Suns sign more players. But for now, it looks like their their main deals are, are done, it appears, for, for agency and such. Chris Paul is back. Campaign is back. They added a center. How you doing, bud? Doing well. Today was quite a, not an ambush because we are ready, but it just happened all at once, which... Is it a sign the team knows at least what they want and what they can not only afford, but what they can realistically target and get things done quickly? So I think that's always, considering we followed this team through a lot of other things, that's always positive where just things come together very quickly with this team. Indeed. Uh, they mean business with James Jones. They get stuff done. I'll say that much. So uh, this is where we'll start. And me and you were kind of talking about this. Uh, our own Australian correspondent, David Kevin, is still kind of figuring out the numbers. As of right now, uh, it, this is where we're at. Okay, Chris Paul, four-year deal worth up to $120 million was how it was phrased by Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes. He also reported a three-year $19 million deal for campaign to come back to Phoenix and then a one-year $5 million deal for JaVale McGee. Now, why those numbers mean a lot and what we're going to be not dancing around necessarily, but just avoiding to talk about in terms of giving our thoughts on the deal until we know the details of the contracts is because Chris's contract and the way that it is formatted is we can't discuss certain elements of it for obvious reasons. How many years of those are guaranteed? Is it exactly what David wrote where we've got a three-year, $90 million kind of deal guaranteed and then only $10 million guaranteed in the fourth year. Is it what Rick Buecher reported, which is, I believe that only the third year, the third year is partially guaranteed. And then the fourth year is completely non-guaranteed, which seems like an absolute steal for the Suns. Um, we just kind of have to wait and see in terms of the confirmed numbers come out. We don't even know yet uh, if JaVale McGee's one year, $5 million deal is going to be used as part of the mid-level exception, or if they are going to become a taxpaying team and use the taxpayer MLE in, in that regard. And then that would not give them the MLE. That would not give them the biannual exception, the BAE either. So th- there are elements for us so that have to unfold and we have to get more information, but we can still react to the names uh, coming back. And uh, I'll go ahead and swing it to you, Kevin, by saying job well done to James Jones, right? Yeah, I mean, we we all kind of saw it coming. We saw reasons that Chris Paul would stay and very few that he would leave. I think the big thing that we want to wait on and see just is how his salary, like you said, is divvied up because it to me, being still skeptical of how this team operates, um, are they being long-term sustainable? Are they going all in on this year? 
right now it almost looks like they're actually trying to stay under the cap for this year, which to me is a little weird because, well, you should just go for it this year if you're going to do it. But the the point is that they gave Chris Paul everything he's asking for in the last big time or last go around where he's going to make a lot of money as a player. This is the last giant contract, if not his very last contract. So I, I just think that that's, you know, whatever it is, it's a success. Um, the nuance of it is going to dictate a lot of 2022, 23, 23, 24 stuff, but we can look at that later. Um, to me, the campaign thing is the more interesting thing to talk about just because um, to be really brief, it, it seems like he took a hometown discount, if you want to call it that. I mean, you go look at TJ McConnell got, I think, what, five years or four years, 35, I think it was four years, 35 million. Um, a few million more per year if you average that out than campaign. And I, I'm a huge TJ McConnell guy. I think that he probably is worth that much and it would be a debate of who's worth more, but that the Suns have a significantly lower pay grade on campaign and got him to come back says a lot about both campaign and that he's, he wants to go at this again. And I think, you know, Chris Paul, the same way it's really more buying into the culture, um, not taking all the money, even for a guy like campaign who fought so hard when he could ask for more money, you know, so to me, that's impressive at the end of the day. And JaVale's even uh, another guy who that guy is going to sign on a good team. He's been on lots of championship caliber teams lately. Um, as much as he's on shacking a fool, he's a upgrade. He's a guy who's going to know what to do and upgrades them behind DA. So just so far, ticking all the boxes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Alex Caruso was another reserve guard who got that money. Uh, got like somewhere full mid level, somewhere around there. And and campaign only takes basically uh, six, six and a half, somewhere in there a year, which is uh, pretty crazy to me, Kevin. I I, I always hesitate. Long time listeners will know I always hesitate to look at money and 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 say where a guy's going to land in terms of how much money he gets, what was he being offered, that kind of stuff is always really tricky, especially to know beforehand, but it felt like campaign was headed well towards an offer for at least eight, nine million dollars a year, maybe even more. I talked about the point guard market. There's a lot of names out there. And in in my opinion, uh gosh, if campaign you talk about hometown discount and and people might um not roll their eyes, but just not really buy that 100% when looking at it. But if you're a campaign and you look at how many teams need a point guard right now and how many teams are going to strike out, already struck out on Kyle Lowry and other names, um, it seemed like the what made a lot of sense for him was to kind of wait around and see how the chips fell and look for a team that had a lot of money left and was still looking at a point guard and where he could have capitalized. But it seemed really clear that with how quickly his news broke and the amount of money that he signed for is that he just wanted to be back. He tweeted it himself we we got social media uh confirmation kevin on all three of these signings chris paul just tweeted run it back like about a half an hour ago javel mcgee shared chris haynes's um post on his own uh instagram story and uh and cam tweeted like i i basically told y'all like i'm 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 with the valley boys which uh good good stuff from campaign all the way on we, we talked about last episode and i talked about so i won't go into it more just how valuable i think he is to the team you can go back there Listen to that if you missed it. Uh, Chris is, I, I don't want to say it's it, interesting isn't the right word for me, but bringing him back is so, 
I think people are really, I, I kind of feel alone in some ways in the thought of just seeing this big picture and seeing how he's going to help shape this team beyond the time of his contract, which is what I wrote about on the site and how much he's helped the developmental work of DeAndre, how much Devin is learning from him in just that year alone and how much they got from just this, this past year and how valuable NBA finals experience was to those young guys. Like they don't get that experience without Chris Paul. So that in and of itself was valuable. But then you think about how much he helped this team in one year from that perspective. Well, how much more can he help them in the next three to four, essentially for however much longer he's around two to four. Cause again, we don't know the contract details specifically, but it also goes to another point of mine, Kevin, in, in terms of if this contract is fully guaranteed, which I, I do not believe it's, I would be shocked if it was four years fully guaranteed, but even if it was, I think you get to a point when you're a contending team where you have to keep it together to a certain point and you got to spend money. And this was an example of is Chris Paul going to be technically overpaid in the second or third or fourth year of his contract? There's a very high chance that he is, but I don't even, even to that premise, I still don't buy that he would be overpaid just given how much he means to them as, as a leader and a competitor, which is a, uh, again, what you can find on ArizonaSports.com from me. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, we, I, did I write it? I don't even know. It's been so long. Just that it seemed obvious they should do whatever they needed to to re-sign the dude. And, and to me, I'm I'm one of the guys who was like, he's not right. He's not well. Campaign is in a lot of ways more effective than him in, in down the stretch of that playoff run. Um, injuries was, was the reason, but those are freak injuries. And I'm not super as worried about that right now. Um, so I'm just saying, like, even me being negative about how he played, it it still seemed like the obvious thing to do. And I, I think Bobby Marks, he came on Doug and Wolf this morning and, and really laid out. Well, I thought just perspective here. Um, the perspective that he pointed out was Devin Booker's on three years left. That's already at the, <laughs> we're already at the point where that's like, okay, you have to start thinking about his next contract. Um, how do you show Devin Booker you're committed while you, pay Chris Paul, you run it back, you keep DA and Mikel in the fold. Um, you don't want Devin Booker being pissed off in that third year, right? Um, that's one thing. And, and the other way to look at it from a financial perspective is, look, Mikel and DA are on a relatively cheap deals this year. Next year might be a little rough for the team as a whole once their supposed extensions that we're assuming are going to happen or even if they sign as restricted free agents, those are going to kick in. But in two years from now, I would say there's going to be a large salary salary cap boost just from revenues, from economy factors that go into all the parts of our lives that are above everyone's heads, TV contracts. So they're not going to be in that bad of a spot. When DA's contract is in its second, third, fourth years, if he signs an extension, that max contract's not going to look that big. I mean, look, Book's max contract already does not look that big when you look at it next to even Chris Paul's. So um, to me, they're going to be in an all right spot. They're going to be operating like a winning team. I, I still am curious about the nuances of this again, just to, to see if they're really trying that hard to stay under the cap and which years they're trying to, or the tax, I mean, um, which is different than the cap. But yeah, I think that's a problem for another day. You figure it out. If you got to trade away Jay Crowder, Dario Sharich's contracts in the coming years, 
figure it out then. But right now they're, they're ready to run it back and in a good spot, I think. Yeah, they're, they're in a really good spot. I really do not see how they are looked at uh, as not a top three team in the West. We still have a ways to go in terms of the off season. So I could be uh, chewing on that in, in a month or two, depending on how things shake out. But I really, I really don't see how they are out of there. And I, I believe as of right now, looking at how other teams are coming together, uh, I, I believe they're the favorite in the West right now. Um, that, that's where I would have them at. I think that ooh, I, I don't want to go too deep into Javel, Kevin, because I think he's someone to talk about when we know the details more, because I think it was interesting that they, they signed him on, on 5 million a year and uh, they did not go the route of going with someone on the minimum here. Or they, so I thought, I thought they were going to go one of two directions. I thought what made the most sense given the way the market was in terms of how many names were out there on center was you either get someone on the veterans minimum, who's just hanging around, who's solid and fine. That's where you're kind of looking at what I expected, at least like someone to be like Robin Lopez, or if you got lucky Cody Zeller, which Portland turned out to get lucky because he did in fact take the veterans minimum. I had a couple of people tweeting me saying when I put Zeller in the minimum spot on my piece that he's not going to get the minimum. And I was like, well, when you play on a bad team for a really long time, it, it seems like your value goes down. We saw that with Rashawn Holmes. We've seen that time after time with a lot of Suns players in the past couple of years. And it, it appears that's where he was or, or Portland just surprised everyone in the league. And there were teams that would have paid him more money or, or I thought they were going to pay someone like big time money, like pay someone the full MLE, which is what we saw a couple of different times uh, today. I believe we saw that with Nerlens Noel. He got three years, 32 from New York to come back. We saw it surprisingly from Daniel Tice, who was someone that again, to getting that wrong, I, I put him in the, the BAE kind of minimum group and uh, the Rockets go ahead. And I believe it was for four, the full four years for the MLE, or it was three to four, one of those two. So I, I thought they were going to go one of those directions. Instead, they go down the middle and it's going to be interesting to see how they use the rest of that MLE money, assuming that's what it is again, because we don't even know uh, because I think that JaVale is, is fine. He's steady, Kevin, and that's what you need at the end of the day. But if you're looking at your top eight, which is basically what they've cemented now, which is they're starting five from last year, Payne and Johnson again coming off um, coming off the bench, and then McGee now is is the five instead of Sarge with Dario down. Uh, it, it's better for sure, and I think that McGee is going to be solid, but he's not really someone I think that's going to change games by any means. And I think that they had an ability with their MLE to at least look for a game changer at that spot. I thought it was the most obvious spot to do it. They could have looked for another wing as well, maybe another ball handler even. Uh, but they did not go that route here. I think that that's the one thing we have confirmed, I think at least, is that their their full MLE is gone, which I thought they could have, I thought was available to them to use in a different way. It's not something I'm looking at negatively. It's just just an observation, Kevin. Not not saying good or bad, just that it was there. And you can do a lot worse than getting someone like JaVale who you can depend on for 15 minutes a night to play all the way up through the finals. Yeah, it's a matter of order of operations. So we don't really know what they have left to spend. Um but if you assume they have, let's say, $5 million ish and that can be from – there's that disabled player exception. We don't know if they're going to apply and get that. If Dario, they can say Dario is going to be out through most of the year, all of the year. Um, they're already at 10 players, though. They have 10 players under contract. And if you look at you know James Jones using that 3 by 5 index card metaphor, which we assume is depth at every position, meaning um, – they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, Jalen Smith has to develop. Let's say you fill it out with a Lakenston Galloway, Etwan Moore signing or two. 
left. Um, I, I don't even know if we've talked about Nader and what his deal is, but that would be an easy, like, just bring that guy back. Keep yeah, going, gonna get paid a lot more. So I think they're in a pretty good spot. I think their roster is already better and with less flaws and with a few more bench guys who can have, you know, elite NBA skills like Shamit with his shooting, JaVale with his rim protecting. So um, we're already at the point where they've gotten stronger. Who knows if they have any surprises up or if they just fill it out with solid vets. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're talking day, one of actual free agency legal to talk to each other. They're in a really good spot. A plus for sure. Without a doubt. Um, so uh, our Australian correspondent, David Kevin brought up his estimates, which again, he, he is like us. We, we don't really know what the numbers are per year uh, on all those t- kinds of stuff. Like is Chris making 30 this year or 26 or 32, like all those kinds of numbers are weird, but a keynote, uh, if it is indeed the rest of the MLE for this, for the Suns. Uh, $4.5 million. So that's, you can get someone pretty decent with that in terms of a ninth, 10th man you can look at right now. You look up and down the rotation. I would say, I mean, if you want to be very, very, very specific, Kevin, it would be like a wing ball handler. So you could have a little bit of a mix of both with that one spot, but those don't grow on trees. So I think just more of another wing. I think that's where you look at what Tory got. He got two years, 10 million from Indiana. We did not mention him, but I think the writing was kind of on the wall there that the Suns weren't going to use their, MLEs as they shouldn't to be honest or part of their MLE on him to give him the kind of money that you would expect him to get which is there and then uh, and then the BAE 3.7 and 3.9 are the two numbers that uh, David has down so you can certainly look I think the the two spots left for me are just another wing obviously and that's where you mentioned even they could bring back a vet they could bring back Nader on the minimum uh, I, I don't know where else he has to go I don't think there's going to be much interest in him in terms of like a multi-year deal anywhere uh, and then I, I don't know another center, Kevin, where, where are you at? I, I guess those are, I, I would say for me, I would look at MLE and say, that's, that's the wing. And then the BAE I would say is, is the other guard. I would, I would really prefer for them. You guys know how much we love like uh, each one more that has not changed for me, but I would really like them to be in a slightly better spot with that, with that fourth ball handler essentially is what we'll call them because I don't think that's Shamit necessarily. I would like for it to be someone else other than Shamit or Etwan, but I don't know. Do, do they grab another big with one of those two spots? Maybe a four or five combo. We saw Jeff Green get two years, 10 million. Is there somewhere a little bit further down the chart with him with the BAE, Kevin? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that's it. Just because I don't know about Jalen, um, you got to have a guy who can swing between four or five, can shoot threes, can rebound. I'm kind of blanking on who is left on the market right now because a lot, like within the first hour, the list that you put out, which is a really good list. 10 guys got eaten through and JaVale, I believe was on that list too. So um, yeah, four or five, you could say, man, like another ball handler. Who's more of a ball handler. Yeah. Um, Ish Smith type. If he just, the market's not there, but he had a pretty good year. I, I don't know. So there's interesting conversations to be had. And when you look at how, I mean, they used Langston and, Javon Carter a lot early in the season. So I think there are plus like campaigns showed he could kind of play with CP and book. So there, there might be more room for another on ball guy who compliments those guys. So those two things I'd say wing, I 
think with Nader, it could just take care of itself. And obviously Monty trusts that dude because he came off a knee injury for forever and just started playing in the NBA playoffs deep into it. So I think that might be a good bet to just assume he's coming back in some way. All right. Uh, I'm going to scroll through Hoops Hype's rankings on uh, free agents in the three categories, looking at point guard, looking at uh, power forward, looking at center for those two spots. Then you tell me when you get a name you like. Uh, Blake Griffin resigned. Carmelo Anthony, Kev? Yeah. Paul Millsap, Kev? I, I don't wait, know. Paul Millsap. I'm actually thinking, wait, I'm, I'm stuck on Carmelo. Is that a possibility? Banana Boat? I don't know. Maybe. Again? Wait, was he on Banana Boat? He wasn't even on Banana Boat, but he's with that crew. I don't know. That'd be fun. He's, he's a banana boat guy. James Johnson have someone who could uh, beat up anyone in the NBA because of his karate. Yeah. Taj Gibson. No, thank you. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is someone the timeline guys uh, outlined. Stanley Johnson as well. Jabari yeah. Parker. This is where I close the tab. <laughs> Next one. Uh, center. This is like the super long list, right? Okay. So they have Tristan Thompson, eight. He's already gone. Cody Zeller's gone. Ken Birch is someone that Gambo mentioned on the radio today. And then we get to Frank Kaminsky at 11. Wow. Good, good rankings for Frank there. Uh, Gorgie Jang, I believe went to Atlanta. Uh, Dwayne Dedman back with Miami Bismack Biombo, And that's where you kind of get Javel 18. Okay. Point guard. See, this is what I'm interested to see at point guard. Is there like, yeah. does it get kind of interesting down here around like 11 or 10 or so? All right, so they've got Patty Mills, by the way. Oh, I would have loved for David to have a little Patty Mills dream alive with a full MLE just for another <laughs> night or two. Could you get Ish Smith for that 4.5, Kev? I think so. Would you give it to him? I would go big over that, but like you just outlined, I don't know if there is one. So if, if you're going to burn it, like he's i think i think that's my point here is that i want them i, I want them to do it <laughs> like i just yeah. i don't want them to avoid not doing I, it and i don't and care miss- if they go in the tax this year they can blow it up next like that's my yeah. thing right now i think and that's why i don't want to jump to conclusions or overreact right now because i think if you overpay for ish smith and then it ends up chris or cam knock on wood don't want people to get hurt but if they got hurt in the playoffs and you're trying to make a run and Ish Smith's your backup, I'm, I feel good, you know? Your third guard, yeah. You been a Shabazz Napier guy? No. Oh. <laughs> Andre Guadalla, would he take the 4-5? Would he take the BAE? Did, you, he, get, did you see this at all? I saw it. Was he trying to go back to... So Mikel, Mikel tweeted, like, I think Andre was just, like, being the usual troll he is on Twitter and, like, being in Mikel's... Uh, replies and Mikel was like are you going to be my agent or something and then Andre actually gave a really in-depth pitch about where he sees Mikel he's like I would give you the near max I think the next step for you is to develop some point guard in your game and then Mikel just replied and said something nice and then Andre just kept going and he's like there's some <laughs> Scotty Pippen in there if you come work with me this offseason we'll see and Mikel was saying how he had the number nine Andre Iguodala jersey from Philly when he was growing up just like someone on this podcast that's named Kellen and yeah, that was that was really cool. It was really nice little, little interaction. I don't know necessarily like a non-shooter would factor in, but I mean his passing is so elite that it feels like he would f- fit in just just about anywhere on the on this team. You know, uh, that'd be fun to have Andre Iguodala, one of the smartest dudes. Also, it's very sad to watch him play basketball because his knees are creaky, but sometimes he can jump still. James Ennis. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, 
Derek Jones Jr. Bring him back. I think, it, no, he already took his player option wisely. So I think it was like 10 mil or something. Yeah. Shout out to DJJ. Get that money, bud. Get that money. Uh, five minutes Olympics talk that hopefully isn't aged when the U.S. gets upset <laughs> by uh, who do they play tonight? My brain is Spain. so on. They play Spain. Kev. Okay. Ricky Rubio, Revent. Oh. Kevin, your <laughs> not not exactly how it works. Kevin. Yeah, that's not how it works. Sorry. Um, Kevin, give me your thoughts on how Team USA has played so far and how how Book has looked. Um, man, it's been really hot and cold for him. Really, I mean, he had that one really good game. Foul trouble just kind of blew up the last game. I think they kind of have found like the next year when they start playing defense and care a little bit which like I, I'm joking about it, but that's hard when you don't play with one another, when you have a, a roster that to me is just all scoring and guys with the same attitude and they have to just click into, and it takes time to find a different gear. Uh, I think books actually in a really good spot where he's got those fouls. Cause he's digging up. He's like, I'm just going to be like, not to make the Kobe thing again, but like Kobe on the U S team was, I'm just going to play defense and do whatever else I need to. But yeah. And then everyone was standing around in that Spain gold medal game. And he was like, what? No yeah. one's going to, Oh, okay. Fine. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll do my normal thing now, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it does take time for those guys. So they, they need to have that in their head tonight. Otherwise they're in big trouble. Cause the path, what is it? They could play Spain, Australia, France in the final or, or Slovenia, Luka Doncic never lost in international play Kev. It's, it's a gauntlet. It's actually really fun. I mean, it's, I love it. Yeah. There's harsh part of me is like pop maybe should get canned. And the other part of me is like, yeah, this this is just that competitive. I, I agree with you on book. It's, it's been hot and cold, but I think the one thing that's been great from him and exactly what I expected out of him is that, I'm going to do everything that Pop asked me to do. If he wants me to be insane defensive man chasing Timothy Luau Cabarro around screens like he's Ray Allen, I'll I'll do that. (laughs) And then if you want me to push the ball, we're up 30 against Iran. I don't care. I'll sprint it up the floor for you. That's fine. And he's he's been doing a lot of that stuff. The offense is is hot and cold. I think that hot take, Kevin. This is this is a a white hot take compared to everything I've seen on the Olympic coverage. I do not think that the team was that poorly constructed i think that the team is starting to understand what they are supposed to be but i also think that it's coaching malpractice as well i just think that it's it's been it's been poorly generated together because basically what they did is if you look at their nine-man rotation from the win against the czech republic you've got the starting five which is lillard holiday booker durant adebayo and then the four off the bench middleton levine green and a fourth that I'm Tatum off the the top of my head. All nine of those guys have a out of 10 in terms of them being dribble guys, Kevin, they're about an eight or an eight and a half. They're really, really good. Just about all of them. And, and I guess the only guys that are not hitting there is just because of Draymond and the lack of like pull up shooting and just scoring in general that he has. And then bam is, is just more of like a big who can grab and go, but can still pass and really play make. But outside of that, just everyone on that roster can do just about everything you want. 
outside of a full primary initiator of an offense. So if you think about that on paper, you play through defense, obviously, which I think they figured out against the Czech Republic. Like they just have to defend like maniacs the entire time because that's going to open up their offense like the Suns where they're going to be able to run all the way. And when they run, anyone's running that thing up and it doesn't matter but we also saw Holiday and Booker initiating more and less of, of Dame. So like the ball kind of gets moving a little bit more. It's not Dame running one primary action and seeing what happens from there. We're kind of getting it moving a little bit more. And then I think that the offense just needs to primarily feed through Durant and everyone else taking advantage of open space when it's there. And I think that really came together really well in the Czech Republic game and everyone kind of started to understand how they're supposed to function as a team. So again, I actually think that the roster was constructed well and I really liked the thought process through it, which was a smaller team that was more oriented around ball handling and movement, but it just hasn't come together well with the players not quite understanding just yet what the team is supposed to be. And then also the coaching staff just kind of being a bit behind with the stuff they were running. Like everyone has been spot on when talking about the Spurs offense and how it does not fit this team at all. It definitely does not. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, I think I made that declaration about the team being poorly put together also in my own head before like drew Middleton and book joined and those three guys are, I think more than like Tatum, Lillard, Durant, more adaptable. Um, so their, their presence has been huge. I mean, Drew's played well still, Again, like you said, Booker has not had a great offensive time every game, but he's tried to do little things. And to me, um, yeah, I, I just think that they, they need time and there is no time. And that's just the circumstance of what it is. Um, but like Kevin Durant alone should be able to shoot this team out of things if they play half yeah. defense. So. You need that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought them up because I think the trio of Drew, Draymond, and Bam has been excellent. Particularly, I think Drew has been their second best player so far. Yeah. And if they've got those three guys doing that stuff along with Middleton and Book for the most part, which I think they have, but their just offensive impact hasn't quite been there. But I think they're doing all that stuff as well. Uh, and then and then the other guy uh, that's there, and then you've got the four of Tatum, Durant. Lillard and Levine and if those four guys are impacting the game enough offensively I Kevin I think Durant's a good enough player to do both at the same time basically play both of those roles at the same time yeah and I think Tatum is too but it looks like FIBA Tatum is just going to be hit or miss and we're just going to get buckets or we're not going to he got really really hot at the end of the Czech Republic game when it was over but it was it was a really good sign at least to see him get going but I think that's basically how the team is split. And and Book is a guy who can go on both sides, which is the beauty of it. And he's clearly embracing the Drew Draymond kind of group when he could be in the KD Lillard group. And I think Dame has had an underwhelming tournament as well. So I think yeah. if they get if they get Dame and KD rolling to the to the effectiveness that they should be at, which we saw from KD last game, we haven't seen from Dame really that much except against Iran. And they can roll those seven other guys going in their own in and out their own groove. And I think Levine's been better defensively than I expected. I think he's moving the ball a little bit better than I expected. I think they're going to be just fine and, and handle everyone, but they're going to be in some really tight games. And I, I the, that's the main concern for me, Kevin, still in watching them is that they need Dame or KD to be themselves or else they're in trouble just because their offensive rhythm as a group isn't there. And maybe that breakthrough took place in the Czech Republic game. I hope it did. We'll, we'll find out tonight. Yeah. I think in my summation, like Keldon Johnson adjusted to this Olympic experience immediately. Yeah. Cause he's a role player and he looked awesome in the exhibition games, especially. And Tatum is the guy to me who just didn't and still hasn't um, 
but that that's where it's like on coaching, right? If Tatum keeps playing like he does and it's kind of clunky and forced, then do you play Kelvin Johnson and he gets a key block against Spain and you pull out a three point win or something. So that's, that's going to be the fun part for me tonight um, and moving forward. Yeah. Team USA has always been about it. They say like talent and are the good players going? It's like, they always pick the best players. It's on the best players to adjust themselves. And we've seen for the most part, I think everyone has Tatum is the one guy who stood out to me. And I think that's what I was kind of getting at with Levine is that I, I think he's adjusting better than I expected. And me and you and everyone listening, who's watched book compete since he was a rookie, we're like, Oh yeah, he'll, he'll do fine. He'll, yeah, He'll go run around on defense and hit open shots and just push the ball and do what they need. All right, we'll see if that was uh, completely irrelevant because uh, I think like 10 people, 15 people get to listen to that in full before the game starts in about an hour. Uh, and we'll be back at some point this week whenever, I, I guess, Kevin, if they make like a substantial enough signing where we feel like it's a pretty big deal, we'll be back. But outside of that, I think we'll be back sometime by the end of like by Friday, I would say when we've got a full, hopefully by then we know like Chris's contract, the structure of everything, uh, the rookie extensions we'll see in and that kind of stuff. But I mean, the big breaking news is out of the way, Kevin, they got their backcourt back and I think it just makes them a certified contender again, or their, their point guard rotation, I should say. Well said, we'll be back when, uh, we have a reason to be, let's just promise that. Indeed. And, and there will be, which is fun <laughs> because even if they don't sign anyone else, Kevin, the summer league awaits. Oh, you're it's always there. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> provide my Mamukello Shvili updates to the people. By the way, Austin Reeves will be the ninth man on the Lakers by <laughs> by New Year's Eve. Okay. Wayne Ellington and Kempe is more. Oh, last that I didn't long. know Wayne Ellington was still in the league. Congrats to him, though. Hey, they brought back Dwight. Good for them. My goodness, what's going on over there? <laughs> All right, we'll be back next time, everyone. Thanks for listening, as always. See you later.